to NeuroPodcases, a neuroscience podcast created for medical students. We hope you enjoy listening. Hello, my name is Sarah Healy and I'm one of the neurology registrars working at the Walton Centre. I'm here today with consultant neurologist Dr Davies. Hi there. Uh, and today we're going to talk about cognitive neurology as a specialty and the complementing specialties that work alongside it. Okay, great. So Dr Davies, you work as a cognitive neurologist as a subspecialty interest. I do. What does this mean? Okay, I'm a consultant neurologist. That's my accreditation and that's that. You know, so there are general neurologists. There's no other official subdivisions of neurology. But of course, in practice, there are subspecialisms. And my particular subspecialism isn't epilepsy or headache neurology or MS neurology, but cognitive neurology. And and that means that I assess people who have brain-related conditions of one sort or another that present with disordered thinking. Uh, And by far the biggest diagnostic grouping uh, in that, population of patients is of course dementia Um, so it's about differentiating subtypes of dementia from one another it's about distinguishing dementia from non-degenerative dementia type pathologies and actually about distinguishing those various brain diseases from disordered brain function that um, might arise in a variety of ways. So identifying brain diseases that lead to altered cognition, altered thinking, uh, and determining which of those diseases is present. That's the essence of cognitive neurology. Okay. So lots of neurology specialties work in an MDT. Who would be the professionals that you work with yeah. in cognitive neurology? So, so this is really the, the neuro-neurology psychiatry divide, isn't it? So, so I'm a neurologist. That means that I'm interested in the diagnostic formulation, uh, the clinico-anatomical correlation looking at the patient's symptoms and signs and working out which bits of the nervous system are affected, which bits of the brain, in the case of cognitive neurology, that's the essence of neurology, working out what pathological process might cause that. So, of course, there's the whole range of lab and service specialties that are important for all neurology practice, neuroradiology, neuropathology, and so on. But of course, in cognitive neurology, we're, we're particularly working with colleagues in psychiatry and colleagues in uh, psychology, clinical psychology. Um, and of course, psychiatrists are um, expert in medical management of diseases of the mind. So brain diseases, if you like, that are understood mostly by analysis of processes of the mind rather than structure of the brain and you know whether or not it's appropriate to use medication for those conditions and other 
basic medical decisions. That's the that's the essence of psychiatry. Psychology, of course, is about uh, studying the mind, not necessarily in a medical way. So, the two big subdivisions that that we would be interested here is clinical psychology in general and neuropsychology. Okay, so neuropsychology is a specific discipline of clinical psychology where uh, the clinician, the neuropsychologist, is expert in undertaking tests of cognition and trying to analyse which bit of the brain might be affected. So um, a very, very rudimentary uh, neuropsychological test would be the MNSE, um, and there are other others that are just a little bit more sophisticated than the MMSE, the Adam Brooks Cognitive Examination, the MOCA, the Montreal Cognitive Assessment, favoured by Donald Trump, I believe. Um, so those are slightly more complicated and more um, uh, informative than the MMSE, but still very basic by comparison to the types of test materials that professional neuropsychologists use. So that's neuropsychology. Clinical psychology is more about the mind and the emotional basis of thinking, and uh, that also is relevant in dementia practice and particularly in supporting people uh, with dementia symptoms to managing their day-to-day life in a in a psychologically uh, skilled way. Um, but it is quite important to make the distinction between neurology and psychiatry, then the distinction between those medical specialties and psychology, and finally between clinical psychology in general and neuropsychology, which gives you scores and results and so on for memory function, language function, visual cognition, and so on. Okay. So you mentioned that your practice as a, as a cognitive neurologist, you deal an awful lot with degenerative conditions like dementia. Mm. How would this MDT, the psychiatrists and psychologists, okay. how would they yeah. present it? So, um, as I say, my, my job is to assess the patient, take the history, do the examination, do some basic neuropsychology type tests. We might call them bedside tests, like the MMSE. I, you know, I, I might be a little bit more adventurous and uh, uh, sophisticated than that, but doing that, assessing the patient in great detail and analysing blood test results maybe, um, the outcome of neuropsychology assessments and the, the outcome in particular of scan data to determine whether someone might have an Alzheimer type dementia might have another type of neurodegenerative dementia, frontotemporal dementia being a very iconic group, uh, the Lewy body dementias, other, other types of neurodegenerative dementia. And then finally, um, in terms of my core role in diagnostics, is to distinguish from uh, that group uh, conditions uh, like vasculitis in the cerebral veins, um, autoimmunity, antibody-related autoimmunity, occasionally infections, occasionally disturbance of CSF status that leads to cognition, and finally to distinguish 
all of that from people who don't have a disease process affecting cognition, but um, who have cognitive symptoms. We might call this functional cognitive disorders. Uh, a few years ago, uh, a term that was quite often used was the worried well. Um, obviously, some of these terms fall in and out of fashion. Um, but, but that's my role. Psychiatry, in fact, do most of that work that I've just described for most patients. So colleagues of mine that are consultant psychiatrists, not neurologists, would work as in the subspecialty of psychiatry, old age psychiatry, and these are people who are leading memory clinics in many localities and seeing lots of patients, often patients you know, above age 65, and the diagnostic process there is more specific. So it's, do we think this is an Alzheimer process or not? And if it isn't, we're going to reassure the patient or perhaps we're going to refer on to a cognitive neurology service. Okay? So, so psychiatrists do some of that work, but crucially they are very expert in managing symptoms, especially as early diagnostic phase dementia progresses into established and advanced dementia where psychological disturbance, behavioural disturbance becomes problematic. The support of uh, mental health nurses working with the psychiatry doctors, the use of medication judiciously, that's very much part of psychiatry practice. The psychologists, they often are critical in helping the psychiatrists in the community teams and in the memory clinics in localities. Uh, and the neuropsychologists, as I mentioned, they're involved with uh, co-working both with cognitive neurologists like myself and diagnostic psychiatrists in reinforcing and um, supporting the clinical formulation. Okay. So as you mentioned, first and foremost, you're a neurologist and you do That's general true. neurology clinics yeah. as, well as, as well as the cognitive side. Mm. Do the specialties you mentioned, the psychologists, the psychiatrists, what, what roles do they have in your general neurology practice? Okay, that's interesting and I think a very important practical concern um, because um, something that is absolutely crucial about the way the health service works is that psychiatry is terribly under-resourced. So, so there are lots of excellent clinicians in psychiatry, but far fewer than there needs to be. And that means that in many areas, psychiatrists have to focus on, you know, the big issues for psychiatry. So these are people with um, life-threatening primary psychiatric diagnoses, so people with severe depression or people with severe schizophrenia, people who are at risk of harming themselves or even others in rare cases. And so in general psychiatry practice, people's uh, precious resource of work time is very... Um, focused on those key areas of work. And that means that if you're working in primary care or in a general hospital setting, 
uh, where you know you might not have access to support as we had in our neuroscience centre. We have a, a, a card-carrying consultant neuropsychiatrist working with us here, which is wonderful. But but in the community, there are lots of people with neurological diagnoses who have unmet psychological or even psychiatric need. Mm. Um, and And that is one of the biggest practical challenges, I think, to being a good general neurologist and also being a good physician or a general doctor of any kind, a general practitioner who has patients with a neurological disorder. So often um, a medical team will perceive that a patient has psychological needs, whether this is in the community or in an acute hospital setting, and they will refer to psychiatry colleagues because the patient is distressed or because they may have a functional neurological disorder, so they may have a paralysis, which isn't the result of a structural disease. They, they may have cognitive symptoms that are not the result of structural disease. So those patients might be referred to psychiatry doctors or psychiatry nurses working in a general hospital. And sometimes if you have a good working relationship with the psychiatrist or, or with the psychiatry nurse, then it can work very well in the patient's interests. But quite often what happens is that the psychiatry colleagues go and they assess the patient and they determine, almost certainly correctly, that the patient doesn't have a major depression or major schizophrenia. Mm. They write that in the notes. Uh, and if then the, the medical clinician, the physician, general practitioner, the neurologist, and the patient, if, if that reassurance that this isn't major depression or major psychiatry is read as saying that psychology issues are not crucial to assisting this patient mm. or in understanding their predicament, that can lead to a vicious, vicious cycle of misunderstanding. Uh, and, you know, the most familiar instance of that in general neurology practice is someone who's got an intense functional neurological disorder, so uh, non-epileptic attack disorder, uh, functional paralysis, uh, you know, really very disabling symptoms from a functional neurological disorder, where obviously if you define psychological medicine very widely, there are aspects of psychology and indeed psychiatry that could be brought to bear to help those patients. If a clinician who's used to just helping people with major depression, major schizophrenia, managing people who've taken an overdose in A&E, if that, sorts of, that, that sort of clinician says, um, this isn't my area of work, that can be quite counterproductive and it's important to manage that grey area between the psych and the neuro um, in a mature and engaged way. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, look out for more podcast episodes coming out shortly.